0: In
1: From somewhere deep in the cloud and the corners of the earth, this is the Killing It Podcast. Who goes there? Who's there?
2: Who's there?
1: Welcome, everybody, to episode 187 of the Killing It it. Podcast. I'm Dave Sobel, sitting in Carl's seat, so I slid one down, joined, as always, by Ryan. And again, back, Nadia Karatsayas. Welcome back, Nadia.
2: Happy to be here. Hope I did justice to the whole Killing It thing.
1: Well, you, you did great. And you filled in for me once, so we said that was too much fun. <laughs> when Carl is off traveling, which he is doing this week and next, we said we gotta got to have you back to mix it up and have some fun. So I'm going to kick us here. off with our fun question. What is your favorite Halloween costume you've ever donned?
2: Hmm, should I go first? Go for it. <laughs> okay, um, so I'm one, I'm one of those like scaredy cats. I don't really love scary things. So the whole month of October, I watch TV with like one eye open and one eye closed in case I flip by a channel of something that's too terrifying. But big fan of hocus Pocus. So a, f- a few of my friends, we got together, we did the Sanderson Sisters and that's as scary as I've ever been.
0: <laughs> See, now, I have seen there's quite a community around that movie and those costumes people go out like they, they there's effort put into those costumes
2: Ooh, yes yeah we we thought Excellent. about doing you know now that part two is around we thought about doing it again but uh, we'll see
0: so wait, wait, which one were you I was Sarah okay see so for those who know the movie you know what we're talking about <laughs> now uh mind I I am not a person who does like the big scary pictures and I also had like Halloween is like Cool, I got free candy, but I was never all about, you know, the costume thing when I was a kid. Uh, usually, because I grew up in a place where it was winter time most of the time around Halloween, uh, it was it was an exercise of walking up to the door and going trick or treating. them going, well, what are you? And you had to open up your coat, and they would be like, oh, you're a soccer player, and you're like, yeah, I'm the idiot wearing shorts out here in November, right? The best one I ever pulled off, it was Albert Einstein. Right. I had the hair. I had the mustache. I had all of this. But the way that I uh, the way that I communicated to people that I was Albert Einstein was that I had static electricity holding socks all over a great big sweater like he used to wear. And I was like, it's the theory of attraction and relativity. And nobody got it when I was 13. And I was like, okay, so I got my nerd card early.
1: Well, well done for that nerd car. That is an early pickup. So it's funny. It's funny because I, I will say, like, as an adult, I have done to- lots of just boring, regular, like, you know, be a genie or be like a, you know, like, like I've I've got a lot of those ones where it's like it's just a staple thing. Particularly because I've never been a huge fan of masks or makeup. Uh, you know, so so like for for me, that's that element of like I've gone for sort of simple. But I, the one that I remember, and I will apologize in advance because it's like one of those bits where like it has not aged gracefully. Uh, is when I was like six, my parents, I was big into the Dukes of Hazard, and mm-hmm. they, my parents made like a whole cardboard generally car that I went around in and it had like the whole outfit. And you look at pictures and you're like, this is, it's a really well done, really creative, very memorable costume. And wow, it does not age well to have the General Lee as part of a costume. So at least I'm acknowledging the, like, it was kind of a really cool costume. I wish, in
0: hindsight, it was Knight Rider, which probably <laughs> aged way better than the Dukes of Hazard. <laughs> Absolutely. Give you some Hathahop. You would have, uh, yeah. that would have definitely <laughs> aged well, but kudos on the extent of the mm-hmm. effort, right? Like, again, I see people every year around Halloween who do those kinds of great big productions, and I'm like, wow, I wish I was creative like that. I, it had working headlights that
1: they'd made out of flashlights. It was pretty impressive. Oh, so, so not
2: just a cardboard box.
1: Nope, more than that. Well, this November, Miami will be the safest place on the internet. MSPs are returning to Miami Beach for the Acronis CyberFit Summit. Not only will you hear former FBI Director, you'll also witness the latest advancement in cyber protection, DLP, EDR, advanced management, and so much more. There's even a track dedicated to MSP marketing and business growth. The entire event will be capped off with an inspirational message from Irvin, Magic Johnson, live and in person. You don't wanna miss it. Get all the details and register now at acronis.events. I'll be there, and so will Carl. We'll see you there. So our first topic today is about marketplaces. I'm referencing an article from Protocol about AWS's Cloud Marketplace Edge. The idea, of course, this being the uh, store that allows you to self-provision and buy both Amazon services and the ancillary services around that. And it's grown you know, to more than 12,000 listings in more than 65 categories available in 25 regions. Amazon's quoting some 325,000 customers, transactions, more than a billion dollars in revenue. All right, I'm going to throw this to you because I'll admit, as the person who selected this, I am fascinated by marketplaces. And Jay McBain, of course, with Canalis, is constantly talking about them being the future. And yet, for me, there's still a disconnect between the SMB and the way I think most you know, small to lower mid-sized businesses consume technology and this. What am I, what am I missing? Nadia, Ryan, Are you guys seeing something that I'm not?
2: I'm going to say like, I see the appeal, right? Like it's as if I put my MSP hat on, I think it's one place to go. I get everything I need. It's easy to bill at the end of the month. When I put my vendor hat on, what I'm missing is, am I going to get lost in the shuffle? There's a lot of noise. There's a lot of mess. Do I have to work extra hard now to stand out and make sure? How do I work with said marketplace to make sure that I'm the one front and center? Do I pay extra for that? It just feels like there's a lot of mess that I have to fight through.
0: See, I agree with you. There is, if you remember back in school when they taught you about the go-to-market strategy and the keys to success, it was the four Ps, right? There was product and price and placement and promotion, and you had to have all four of those or you couldn't grow. Um, placement. That's great, right? Like if you were a product sold to consumers and you were accepted to be carried on the shelf in every single Walmart across North America, wow, you just got literally thousands of points of distribution. You can access tens of millions of customers, except there are uh, 200,000 products on the shelf of the average Walmart and you being one of 200,000 is not the same as you're about to sell anything to anyone. And that's exactly the dynamic that I see in these marketplaces. Again, from a buyer's point of view, you walk into the store, there is category one, two, all the way to 65, anything I need, one point of acquisition. Cool. As the seller, just being in a marketplace, that, that didn't sell you anything. That's the first thing. And now you still have to go out and do all of the product and the pricing and the promotion in order to be successful. So
1: the thing that, that keeps sticking in my head that I'm trying to work through is if the right way is if I put my classic technology advisor hat on, and I think that my job is to help my customers be good with this. Being an expert at navigating the marketplace and assembling solutions out of the parts is a is a reasonably obvious answer to that. Now it doesn't sit right with me because it doesn't sit to the like analyst's view when I listen again to like somebody like Jay who's who's promoting this, it's like I'm not convinced that's the way he's thinking to work this but it feels reasonably sensible to me to say, look, I'm the advisor, I'm gonna help my customers navigate this incredibly complicated thing. (laughs) No, and the marketplace is one way of bypassing the shopping process and finding kind of more certified solutions without having to search the entire interwebs. Like I can actually get to solutions faster, I can start assembling it, and my expertise remains the, I'm super good at assembling solutions out of all the components that are out there. I can do it in the way that makes the most sense for you. I probably have some investment in, be it Amazon or Microsoft or Google, in their way of doing things. That makes sense to me, then i get into this whole element of like okay i'm comfortable with making my money off of my knowledge and selling that directly it definitely breaks the i'm used to getting a back end on this stuff right and you would think like i get paid on the back end or i get paid some element of that where a marketplace unless i'm listed in it but maybe i recursively add myself to the bundle. Right. And this is where my thinking breaks down. And for the listeners, like I'm almost thinking out loud and working through the problem saying, like, how does this work? (laughs) You know, is that's a sensible solution, right? Is that the only, it can't be the only one.
0: No, but it's not the only one, but that is the most accessible one because you're exactly right to Get paid to be a concierge, to be a personal shopper for somebody. Hey, that's a thing that exists in fashion, in groceries, and it has existed quite literally since the dawn of human economies where I don't have the time and I don't have the expertise. I don't know what I should get. I know over there there's all the stuff. I just need to have my ambassador go and add their expertise and do that for me, right? Um, It's the aggregator Business model. It's where department stores came from. It's where grocery stores came from. It's where distribution in our industry came from, as well as literally every other industry, right? If you go outside of technology into the world of electrical contracting, the company Granger, right? You, you're, you're familiar with those guys if you are in the granger system that's cool but back in the pre-internet days when you would get the granger catalog of these are all the things that you could buy from us it was as large as a telephone book and it did it was good if you were an expert you might need some guidance it did zero for the people who were in that book until somebody came to you and said Hey, you need this, and here it is on page nine thousand and fifty-seven,
2: right? Absolutely, and I, just to, to piggyback off that, it's the there's so much more now that everyone needs. So I could see why the trend is going there because it it does it gives you that ease. It's one place to go to get everything you need. There's the ease there. But it does take something away. Like, I don't know, maybe I do want to go to multiple places. Maybe I do want to hear directly from the expert that made the product. There's something to be said for that.
1: And and maybe, to, to be fair, well, maybe to be fair, my, my circular answer to this, because I was trying to figure out, like, how can I also e commerce this? Maybe I literally put my consulting services in the marketplace that someone says, like, can't, can't
0: navigate all this. Here I am. Like, yeah, that's <laughs> I'm an here idea. To help you. If they will. If they will accept you as that, as an item, as a SKU in there, it works, right? I, I just have to go back. Like the very first gig I got in this industry that carried a commission, a, a sell through commission. As a salesperson, I managed the go-to-market for a little teeny technology company that invented the touchpad pointing device. And I owned our catalog and direct market reseller, uh, go-to-market strategy. And I would go to these catalogs. You you guys remember all all of them that used to be out there. Um, You would go to them and you would say, okay, I'm going to buy a quarter of a page. I'm going to put it in there. And I, I went to my account manager one day and I said, hey, You get paid a margin whenever any of my stuff sells through. Why don't, instead of me paying you for the placement in your catalog, how about you just put it in your catalog, and then I'll double your margin when you do the sell-through on volume? And I was told in literally plain English terms, the phone rings in at our business model. You are the one who has to make it ring. And I was like, cool. (laughs)
2: <laughs> I have uh, I have another topic for you guys. We were reading hospitals and insurance companies are installing voice biomarker software that with the patient's permission, they can identify in real time if the person they're speaking with is either anxious or depressed and then refer them help. I got to ask, creepy or convenient?
1: Can it be both at the same time? Absolutely. <laughs> so, so, you know. Look, I've said it on the show, and I'll not even—I don't know if you've listened to every single one, but like, I'm constantly saying, like, I want healthcare disrupted. This is a space that I am dying to see somebody disrupt, particularly in the U.S. You know, like you're on the you're on the north side of the, this problem, right? So, you, so, but but from the U.S. perspective, like, we spend more than anybody else with lower outcomes, uh, and we're incredibly wasteful. And so, like, for me, U.S. healthcare is incredibly ripe for disruption. So, I'm looking for a technology that helps along the way you said it's with permission it's like, okay, I get this, right? Like, like I, I, if I'm asking for help, I want doctors to have as much toolage as possible. Uh, Uh Where it gets weird to me is, is like, well, where is that line of permission? Right? So for, for example, she who will not be named, who's an A uh, voice assistant, right? If I say, if I name her and I, I can actually say, Hey, check my symptoms, that's now a, a thing that's enabled on Amazon devices, and I can now talk to the assistant and get insight. Well, did I give permission for that to be done by just asking for help? Because it could be implied that I did, or maybe it's in some mm-hmm. end-user license agreement there, right? And that's the bit where it's like, okay, now it gets weird. Because is, it, is the patient clear as to what happened? And you can completely see this going horrifically lo- wrong in a call center scenario where, like, well, what if somebody's using a tech and they didn't ask for permission? And now they can manipulate someone based on that. And by the way, everyone always says, like, the tech is always used in some kind of weird, bad way when
0: we didn't anticipate it. See, I think that's exactly the point. Permission is what makes this ethically acceptable. And in a clinical setting, I can totally get behind it. Because if you are familiar with the, the marketplace for medical services and for mental health services, the single biggest problem is access, not quality of service, it's access to services and the single biggest obstacle to getting people to take advantage of services that are available to them is either convenience or the embarrassment factor, right? Like, you know, I don't want to have to go in. And men are notorious for not wanting to go to the doctor, but we're not nearly the only ones. And specific illnesses still carry not only inconvenience factors in getting diagnosed, but also the stigma factors that are associated mm-hmm. with that. So we resist getting diagnosed. If this could bridge that gap and make it more instantly and effortlessly available for me to get plugged into those kinds of mental health services, phenomenal. That's brilliant, right? But I cannot possibly imagine a for-profit organization, particularly one that grows to the size where they go public and they have investors to answer to, and they're just going to stick only to the clinical marketplace because all those other places where this software could be used, you know, we're just... A little bit too ethical to allow a call center to install it and go, hey, wait a minute. You sound depressed. I'm going to sell you more expensive shoes because that might help you with your self-esteem. And I know that you're vulnerable and I can take advantage of you. It's a brilliant step forward. But in precisely the way we've discussed before, just like facial recognition using AI technologies, great idea, good tool tools can be used for evil and i can see where this thing can go really wrong when we lose that mm-hmm. context of of control and permission in a strictly clinical setting
2: see i need to understand the context right like is it am i calling into the service because i don't know i don't feel right and i'm not sure if i'm anxious or depressed if that's the case i'm all for people calling in and getting help but am i calling because you know, I have a cold and asking for an antibiotic and then they turn around and tell me now that based on what they heard me say, maybe I do have other issues. Like, I think I need to understand more, Um, but I'm also one that, you know, like everyone says, you, you talk about something and then all of a sudden you start getting ads on your phone. Sometimes I'm okay with that. As creepy as it is, hey, that's pretty cool. I was talking about craving ice cream cake, and ice cream cake started appearing on my phone. Great. I'll order one. You just saved me from having to open up Google and search. So I'm okay with it as long as I understand the context. And that whole permission versus just offering, I, I need to know more.
1: Yeah, I mean, and, and the interesting thing is, is, and by the way, you know, like the the there's a difference between the appearance of additional insights versus reality. Like, not yeah. your example is is really great. Like, if it's and antis- what there's an inclination to think that it's listening on the microphone is parsing things when instead we've just given so many signals to exactly. the search engines, to the technology mm-hmm. that they're just able to figure that out. They don't need to listen to us talking about ice cream cakes. They just simply know based on your situation and closeness to your birthday or your partner's mm-hmm. birthday or your, uh, like all of the, the things you like, all of the, the signals you've given to the system it can know you very well. This, by the way, is why TikTok is incredibly uh, successful right now because they can take those signals and provide exactly what you are looking for at the right time. This is that in healthcare. We get creeped out because it's healthcare. Like, that exactly. is literally what it, it's the difference between a shopping experience, which is a little icky and weird, but we, we're much more dismissive. And by the way, we feel we get utility from versus the mystery of your healthcare, which, yes, you get utility from, but you have a certain degree of uncomfortableness with that sort of diagnostic. And that's where the where the additional bits were. Like, I'm encouraged by saying, by the way, you know, this technology, they're going through the Fruit and Drug Administration to get clearance for it to be recognized as a diagnostic tool. We don't provide diagnostic tools to just anybody. <laughs> so there's a space here, but... I'm going to hang my hat a little bit on the AI principles of ethics that have been coming out more and more. There are several versions. The White House just put out one. The Pentagon's got one. The EU's got one. Like, there are principles to hang our hats on. We're just going to have to see if they do it.
0: See, and they if they do it, that's always the big thing with all of these technology advancements. We can do all of these good things. Should you? Well, I'm not quite sure, right? Just because you can doesn't mean you should, and this is one of those cases. I would say three things in, in quick succession. Number one, I believe that advancements in AI are going to make technology a an indispensable part of your healthcare environment. I do believe that doctors who went to school 30, 35, 40 years ago, and occasionally read a trade journal as brilliant as they might be in as great a bedside manner as they might have, they're not the latest, most cutting edge genius on the latest, most cutting edge diagnostics and treatments. So, that is going to be a good thing. This one, as a second observation, is only going to be okay if we don't let people aggregate all of the data and then resell it. Because even the people out there in our industry who tell us, I swear I would never resell your data, uh huh, I don't believe you. And number three, finally, you, me, and literally everyone listening to this podcast is about to get inundated with ads for ice cream cakes, which that's a very good thing. Thank hey, you very much. Per- there's a perk. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You're welcome very much. All right. Let's go to our third topic here. This one, I, again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to introduce this and we're going to have as as deep a conversation as we can about the what and the why. But I also want to understand what do we do next? right? So we're pointing in the show notes to an article that is a detailed investigation about the disparity in the speed of internet services that are available to people in cities all around the the United States. And then the question is based on where you live, how fast is your service and how much do you pay for it? And the upshot of this research is that you might get one megabit and it Blows my mind as a technologist that one megabit is actually still available out there in the world. Or you could get 400 megabit and you're going to pay exactly the same amount for both of those services. Now, as as a marketing and sales guy, I look at that and go, huh? I don't get that. You're not charging for value that you deliver. But, and this is where it turns the corner. It's not just that there's disparity in service. It's that the boundaries of where that fast service and slow service happen have a really disturbing correlation with racial, ethnic and income and socioeconomic boundaries that exist across our cities, across marketplaces in our country. So I want to put this out there, get your input uh, on this from you guys. Um, A, what do you think about the disparity? And then B, is there something we can do about this?
1: All right, I' you know, like I'm gonna say it, like shocking in the u s, there's disparity along racial lines. like I mean, and and I and I say it like with with some like humor to also acknowledge like not enough of us oftentimes recognize that that is a thing, and we are still dealing with incredible legacy of that. And real people are living with legacies of decisions made you know fifty, a hundred, hundred and fifty years ago. Uh, you know, are are and and it is it is structural, right? And and I know there's willingness to push. People get very upset by this. Uh, I I want to take an a positive based approach on this. And I've been I'm following a lot of Derek Thompson's work at the Atlantic which is around this idea of, a, of a, what if we built an economy of abundance, where the idea was rather than crying to create scarcity in our economy to create value, we instead create abundance. And I look at this and I say, this is exactly what I believe government is for, is to take really hard problems that the market is not necessarily inclined to fix. Why is there faster service in rich neighborhoods? Because those people will pay for it. Why, is, why have those rich neighborhoods been around? Because of legacies of choices made previous that often and generally have had racial inclination. We can correct that through investment in saying, we're gonna create an abundance of broadband in this case because we know it is an incredible equalizer and we want more abundance for all people and my capitalist reason for this is, and it's more customers. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. It literally yeah. comes back to more people that consume technology services, that can consume. Like, and so it is an investment worth making. That's where I come down on this. And I want to look at it through that lens of an approach to it that makes a difference. Is If we look at this and say, we need to create an economy of abundance.
2: Absolutely. And I think, you know, this isn't the first time we've heard it. And my brain's going in so many different directions. But, you know, we think about, we hear about, you know, poor water quality in these low income areas. And I've been hearing about this for years. And nothing's being done about it. I think you kind of nailed it when you said this is where the government has to step in and have these conversations. And and make it that it's unacceptable broadband is so important we saw that during the pandemic kids were were all home we were all working from home there was no choice we had to do this in order for our economy to stay at a level where it was still healthy we all needed the appropriate internet and I just don't I don't understand how we're still having this conversation we need clean water we need good internet and that shouldn't be discriminated it's just not an option
0: See, and you make a great point there. In the article, they talk about, well, telephone service is regulated by the government based on quality and access because it's perceived like electricity to be a necessary Mm -hmm. utility of basic life. The Internet, they're very deliberate to say, oh, that's not a utility yet. You don't have to have that. So we're not going to cover it by the same regulations. And to your point that is some 20 years ago thinking that just I was about to say 1996 called
2: it needs its technology <laughs>
0: exactly best. hello that is not an option we need it for school for jobs for access to healthcare for just whatever in the heck it is that we do now for the sake of argument i will say what the business case analysis is from these uh these internet providers right and, and again these are not anonymous little companies that are doing things on the fringes. These are the acronyms and brand names that you probably subscribe to and that cover everybody in our country. And they are being uh, analyzed according to the offers that they make. And what they say is, well, A... Just because the technology is slower doesn't mean that maintaining the technology is less expensive. So my cost of implementation, my cost of humans, my cost of parts, and other cost of goods sold, that's still going to be high, so I have to keep my price roughly the same, even though somebody's getting 400 meg speeds and somebody else is getting 1 meg speeds. Okay, I understand the legacy infrastructure, and that's why... Be a really smart thing if you didn't have that really derelict old legacy infrastructure but the second thing that they say is it just doesn't pencil out there's no business case to justify in these areas doing the capital investment in the infrastructure that would be required and my answer is did you mr telephone and internet provider make a profit last quarter because if you did then you are deliberately skewing the conversation by saying, you know, nationally, I made a profit and it was great and my shares went up and my CEO got a great big bonus. But in that neighborhood of this city, mm, I can't make a profit off of that neighborhood. So I just can't rationalize, horseshit. If you're going to provide a service to everyone and then make financial decisions about where you will and will not, I get that that's what you're trying to accomplish, but it's only acceptable if you go out of your way to make sure that it's not disadvantaging people, right? And again, it's not not unique to technology or telecommunications. There are grocery deserts where people who don't have access to transportation and don't have the means to travel to a store farther away, you go to the grocery store in their neighborhood and milk costs double. Right? These are deliberate, intentional decisions made by corporations to maximize profit and minimize their expense. And when you do that at the cost of the humans that live there, now I think it's dark and evil. And my last word, Dave, I'll just kind of wrap this up on my side and say, this is the country where this technology was invented. And yet we are in what, like 45th place globally in terms of access to average internet speeds and and the quality of service that we get. The only way you could possibly explain to me why in the United States of America, we don't have the fastest possible internet is because there is a business decision on purpose being made to minimize the cost of plant and equipment in order to maximize profitability. You're doing it on purpose to us.
1: Well, so I'm going to be, I'm going to do two, two, Quick, quick thoughts here. The first is 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 if we are supposedly the richest country in the world, we should act like it, right? Like we really should. Um, and and, and the the second thing is is I want to acknowledge a human limitation that most humans work thought wise in a zero sum game. Uh, where they think that if 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 you put a resource somewhere it is clearly taken away from somewhere else. And that is not actually what happens in the creation of wealth and actually like the creation of investment that in fact, uh, I always I always quip, love is not pie. This is exactly that. You don't divvy it up. You don't divvy up love in the same way. You don't divvy up resources when you do investments like this. In fact, you grow it so it is larger and everyone gets more of a share. We need to think more like that.
0: I'm sorry, Dave. Now we're going to get ads for pie and ice cream.
1: <laughs> Sadly, we are out of time. This has been episode 187 of the Killing It
2: Killing It
1: Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to the Killing It Podcast. Please share with your friends and tell everyone to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, and all the podcast places. Join us next week
0: and help us keep killing it in the technology business.